Hey, Ohana, welcome to this week's episode of the Married to a Disney Attic podcast. We are your hosts, Crystal and Matt, and this is show number 22. On today's show, we're once again going back to one of our favorite spots of Walt Disney World, Epcot, and what will become an ongoing series of episodes where we do deep dives into each of the World Showcase's 11 countries. Each of the represented nations offer so much for us to enjoy. And while we definitely have ones that we enjoy maybe a little bit more than others, we're not going to be doing this series in any sort of ranking, but rather we thought we'd attack it as though we were actually walking around the world showcase. But that does lead us to an interesting question that many, many Disney fans debate, Mexico or Canada? So I love this question so much. Uh, it's kind of become like this ongoing joke, I think, amongst Disney people. And one that we kind of have come to the point where we're basically asking ourselves a similar question at every Disney park. Do you go left or do you go right? And I really feel like Epcot, though, is where people have had the most fun. I'll say arguing this, but really defending their belief in their own opinion of if you go left or right. Do you go to Mexico or can I see sue doing a little fist pump like she ready right like there's a lot of people are very very adamant he likes to go left <laughs> they're very very adamant about which way you actually go but we're a little bit different we don't go left or right well we do go left or right we don't go mexico or, or canada we like to go uk or france because we enter through the international gateway Oh, I saw Prince's fist pump because that must be something that he does as well. And Sue gave us a thumbs down. We're actually getting ahead of ourselves. We're, we're naming who our guests are before we've even actually introduced them. But we you're do right. It's all the time. We do. But you guys are right. You know, we love to see the excitement because it is one of those age old questions that Disney fans love to debate. Which way do you go? We do end up asking ourselves, is it France or UK more? But we're going to be doing you know since we're going to do a series of this we figured we'd go with the much more typical debate mexico or canada and after many many discussions with people and seeing kind of these polls and different things we have decided that we are going to start by going left and heading towards the mexico pavilion we're going to go with the uh, the clock rise direction. So from now on, when we do these, we are going to move in that direction. But we're going to start with Mexico. But before we do start our deep dive, you know, like I said, we've kind of hinted at who our guests are, but we do want to welcome them onto the show. First up, we have, of course, our good friend and preferred travel agent of the Ohana, Sue Passauer. Hi, Sue. Hi. How are y'all doing today? Thanks for having me back. Welcome back. It's always good to have you. And next up, we have our new friend, but longtime member of the Ohana, Chris. Hey, good morning. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Super excited to talk about this great pavilion today. Thanks for coming in. We're pretty excited to start jumping into the different World Showcase pavilions because it's like I said, it's one of, if not our single favorite place in Walt Disney World. We absolutely love walking around World Showcase, taking in all the countries and the cultures. Even Lincoln has grown to love World Showcase. And as a six-year-old, I say that's pretty impressive. But while we're going to be getting to all 11 nations, right? We'll be doing different episodes on each of them and breaking down what each of them has to uh, offer us. We'll certainly get to all of them. 
we're really excited to jump into one that a lot of people say is their favorite and it starts off the world showcase really a lot of people go left they start in mexico and a lot of people say out of all of the countries mexico is the one for them mexico is a lot of fun and it has a lot to offer yes it has many many different flavor margaritas <laughs> we will be getting into the margaritas don't worry <laughs> um, Luckily, that is one of the first places you come right to when yeah. you get to Mexico. <laughs> so maybe once we do all 11 of these episodes where we, we break down the pavilions, maybe we'll try to come up with some sort of official ranking of them, if that's even possible. Again, there's so many good things about all of them. But we do want to make it clear that while we are starting in Mexico, that does not necessarily mean that it is our favorite. It doesn't mean that it's not our favorite. It just means that's where we're starting. Right. Uh, so this this is not in a ranking. You're going to notice we're just going to go in order around the world showcase as we do these episodes. Now, it might be Sue's favorite. It might be Chris's favorite pavilion. We'll get to that probably towards the end of the episode. But that is just where we are going to be going. Now, one of the best parts about the World Showcase Pavilion is that while each of them definitely has a main building, there's so much more to enjoy in the areas around that building. And Mexico is no different. As you approach the pavilion, your eyes almost immediately are drawn to the pyramid. I mean, and it should be. That is the showcase building of the pavilion. So this is like, a, this is the history geek part of me. Yeah, I, I feel like you need to. Watching the pavilion. We're going to get into that because I think the best way to really attack these episodes uh, is going to be like we're doing like a pretend walkthrough. So imagine we're actually walking towards the pavilion and what we notice first and what you would experience first. So yeah, you will see the exterior of the pyramid. It's the biggest building, even though it's not technically the first buildings or the first things you get to enjoy as you get there. Uh, so we'll jump into it, but you definitely do love to see, or I at least love to see, like that Mesoamerican type of architecture. It, you know, the main pyramid is essentially influenced by the Aztec temple. I guess it's really more of a mixture of Mayan and Aztec temples, but it's the, the feathered god, so that's kind of cool that they have that there. We'll talk about all of that as we go in. But like we said, as you approach the pavilion, it is not technically the first thing that you can do because you have another left or right question that comes up to you. And that question is, do you go left for margaritas or do you go right for nachos? So Sue, Chris, we'd love to hear what are your first impressions as you enter the Mexico Pavilion? Uh, so the first thing I always notice, even before we get to the pavilion, is like you said, that amazing pyramid that's just reaching toward the sky and sets a beautiful backdrop for, for Mexico in particular, but I kind of feel as like all of World Showcase. It's, it lets you know what you're going to see. So then we get there, and then we always go left. You always got to start with a nice, cool margarita to begin your long trek across the world. <laughs> Sue, what about you? Do, what do you notice when you walk up to the Mexico Pavilion? Is it that pyramid or is it just something else? No, it, it definitely. I mean, it's the pyramid. I, I mean, it's, it's, I think, the largest structure back there in World Showcase as far as, okay. as I So, I mean, you're definitely drawn to that. I find if you're going there in the evenings, you're even more drawn to it the way they light it up. I mean, it's it's a beautiful pavilion from the outside. But 
whether I go left or right, um, I'm gonna make this easy. I typically go right because I love the restaurant that sits or the little counter service that sits out on the water there. And they serve not only nachos, but they do serve the margaritas. So I can knock out two stones with one throw. There is definitely a lot of margarita options in Mexico. It seems like it's very difficult for a margarita fan to decide where they want to go first in the Mexico pavilion. Cause there's at least there's three, three that stand out. And I'm sure some of the sit down restaurants offer margaritas as well on the menu, but there are three like actual locations that you could go to. That you could just walk up and get your margarita. I know if my brother was on this podcast, he'd tell us we're all wrong. We're going straight inside and going downstairs. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Chris, you said that when you walk up, you go left. So you're heading towards uh, Choza de Margarita, which is a smaller, like, uh, quick service stand to the left as you walk up. It is literally right before the pyramid. It has hand-blended margaritas. It has the, the big frozen margaritas, which I think is the um, the main attraction at that specific location, is the frozen margaritas. But they also do have some quick bites that you could grab sometimes they have like a taco dish or empanadas or chips and guac which i had no idea they offered food there so i literally just thought it was like the slushy machine that served margaritas i think that's how it started and it kind of expanded a little bit but the last time we were there we did actually get the empanadas from there you buy the food so (laughs) i have no idea where we get food sometimes Chris, have you, uh, I know you go there for that nice ice cold margarita to help get you through the heat of Mexico, but is there, do you only go there for a margarita? Is there one that you always get or have you tried the food at that location? Uh, So the last time we went there, uh, we mostly just wanted a margarita and like you, Crystal, we were surprised that they had food there. Uh, So we ended up did end up getting, um, I think it was a, a little like taco thing. I don't remember, honestly. The margarita was much more memorable in my mind. <laughs> uh, but I do remember being surprised that, hey, there's there's some snack options available here. We've been there a couple times and I've gotten a different margarita each time. So there's, there's no go-to that I go. It's uh, what looks good and what feels good right now. Because that menu is just so varied and delicious, honestly. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think they have like little, don't, if I remember right, and I, I mean, I'm really laughing about this. I really never go left. I never go left to the <laughs> margarita stand um, because I, if I'm going to do a margarita, I do it at one of the other two places typically. But I think they do offer like little empanadas and little tacos and tostadas at that little stand. And like you said, a lot of people don't even realize it because the margarita machines and all of that are just so prominent that you don't even look at the little snack foods. But I hear they're pretty good. I, I Maybe I'll have to try them on my next trip down. <laughs> Which is not too far away. No, nope, just a few days. So this location does have multiple margaritas. They have, it looks like on their menu, they've got, it looks like five on the rocks margaritas. Uh, four that are typically on the menu, and they have a seasonal margarita, which you would ask uh, a cast member for details. They also have four frozen margaritas. I know the favorite of Crystal's is the Fiesta, 
which is the combination of I think it's it's all of them the strawberry the classic lime and the mango loco you get all three that is my favorite I have not had it in a while because the last time we actually got frozen margaritas I was pregnant with Landry so I had to go with just a classic strawberry no alcohol added which is nice that they do offer that so for anyone who is listening that prefers a non-alcoholic beverage they do have an option there for you and it's nice because the kids can then drink that and feel like they're joining you in your fiesta so the kid one is definitely it's something called the conga it's mexican fruit punch with orange pineapple and lemon juice it's a popular one that lincoln does like they do also offer uh three different uh cervezas beer for those of us that do not enjoy margaritas, I am not a big margarita guy. I'm not a big drinker to begin with, uh, but they do have beer at that location as well. And the food, like Sue said, there are three options for the food. So it's not a huge menu, but it is something to grab a snack if you are getting uh, a quick drink. I personally prefer to go like Sue. To the right. To the right. Because I like those loaded nachos at the La Cantina. And they do have margaritas over there. So if you do prefer margaritas, like Sue said, go over there because you get more dining options. So this is their quick service option to the right. It definitely has a much larger menu when it comes to food. Uh, It's called uh, La Cantina de San Angel. All of the restaurants actually have that San Angel name in it. Uh, which we will go into. I think that's actually one of the sponsors. It's a real restaurant in Mexico that's pretty popular that sponsored these uh, restaurants in the Epcot Pavilion. Uh, But you can go there, and they definitely have a lot of different margaritas on the menu. They have a lot of different beers on the menu and other drinks you can get. But this is where you go if you want like that quick service Mexican cuisine. So this is where you're going to get your tacos and you're going to have more options as well. It's not just those three dishes that you get across the walkway. You can have a lot more. Crystal does love the nachos and I love the nachos. Literally love those nachos. They're the best place to start. And this is why if you do start with Mexico, it's a great place to start because you get that base in your stomach <laughs> with the loaded nachos. <laughs> 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 Help soak everything up before you go to the rest of the world. Uh, but you could sit down. They have outdoor covered seating. Covered is key because, you know, that sun can be hot. It's right on the water. It's uh, a very, very popular location if you're looking for a place to view the fireworks at night while enjoying a meal. But it does fill up very quickly. You have to get there early to try to get a spot. Uh, but it is one of those, like, prime viewing locations, people say, if you want to grab a seat and actually be able to watch the fireworks on the water. So Sue, you said that's your spot. You're going to go right to the the cantina. What is it about the place that you like? What do you like to get there? Uh, I love their tacos. I, I get their tacos every time I go there. They're just, they're fresh. <laughs> um, you know, I love the ingredients they use. They just, they make them really well. Um, I'll usually, if I get a margarita, I'll usually get one of their frozen margaritas. I want to say, I think they have the blood orange margarita there. Um, and that's probably one of my favorites. That's a fan favorite over here as well. Yeah. I like the blood orange margarita. Um, and then their churros. If you need that little sweet bite at the end, the churros, they have like a chocolate hazelnut spread that comes with them. Not to say that I... We've eaten them a, a lot, but, but yeah, that's my favorite. But I just, I love the atmosphere there. I love being outside. 
like you said, if you're going there and you go with the intention of going to grab a dinner and want to watch the fireworks, um, you better make sure you're there like an hour and a half before because it's, you know, people go there to camp out to right. sit and watch the fireworks. So, and I mean, if you have to graze for an hour and a half, there's plenty of things <laughs> to graze on. So, yeah. And it's not, it's not too badly priced for what you're getting. Like we said, those nachos that you get, it's a, it's a heavy thing of nachos. It's not like a little tiny plate. It's a, you can make a meal out of the things that they are giving you there. So it's a, it's a, a more budget friendly option if you're looking for the you know again that mexican cuisine rather than going to one of the sit down restaurants because there is a sit down restaurant right next to la cantina uh that you know we could we could jump into as well this one is called uh la hacienda de san Daniel. again there's the name again uh san Daniel. they are the i guess sponsor of all three of these locations uh, but this is a sit-down location that is located across from the pyramid, across the walkway. It is on the water, but unlike the cantina where it's exterior seating, it's you know your regular sit-down. You walk in, uh, you're you're seated inside. It does have views of the water, which is pretty nice. And not just the uh, the tables up against the window; they have some even against the back wall, like booth tables that are raised up so you can see over and still get a view of the water, which is really cool. Um, but this is, you know, you're going to make your your reservation to go here, right? This is part of that 60-day window. You want to make sure you have your reservations made so you can get in. Uh, again, a, a different type of menu. It's not that quick service, but it is still very heavily influenced by, you know, Mexican cuisine and things like that. Have either of you eaten at La Hacienda? I have not, no. Um, okay. And that's kind of by choice. Okay. Uh paralysis of there's just so many places to eat on world showcase i don't know that i want to fill up at the first stop <laughs> <laughs> so we did actually eat there but a few years ago like when yeah. it first opened we ate there i want to say it was one of lincoln's first trips was it no we ate there on my third um was it my 30th birthday yeah because we um technically his <laughs> <laughs> we ate there with um a big family group because it was easy to get a reservation for a lot of people because it wasn't the san it wasn't the famous san Daniel in inside which is probably the more popular sit-down restaurant in mexico it was a newer one so it was easy to get a reservation it's still it's a very nice building like I liked the inside when you walk in. It, they, they even give you like a little backstory. It's supposed to be like a, an artist family had owned the hacienda. Uh, it's a larger estate. Uh, it has a lot of artwork and and cool like lighting fixtures that were hanging. Like the, I remember the blue lanterns and the, the yeah clear and stuff. Yeah. And the cool like you know very colorful paintings on the wall. So it was a nice environment. We I remember we weren't too thrilled with the food. No, we weren't. I think my uncle liked it, though. It could have just been different, or it was early. Maybe the menu has changed. We, you know, it was also like a lunchtime that we ate right. there, I believe. So maybe we weren't hungry yet, or you know, thinking about all the other stuff that we wanted to do during that day trip. I just, I, I was sitting here thinking about it. Y'all said, 
I think that's like one of only two restaurants in the whole little world showcase that I haven't eaten at yet. Uh, you're gonna have to. <laughs> so I may that. have to go. I may have to go check that one off the box just to try just it. To cross it off. So I will say they do start you off with uh, the the house made tortilla chips and the salsa, which is cool. And then they have a decent, you know, if you like Mexican cuisine, it is a place that you could definitely go try. It's a little bit different than the other options that you have uh, in the showcase. But yeah, Sue, Chris, you guys should go check it out uh, if you get the opportunity. We'll have to go back because we haven't been since the since I think it really opened. So like six years ago, because I was pregnant with Lincoln. So actually almost seven years ago now. So there's a little bit more outside, but I feel like that's more as you're leaving the pavilion so we'll get to that towards the end as you know if we're going to do like our walkthrough of of this whole location so let's turn our attention to that showcase building right we're, we're looking at the giant step pyramid like we said it's that mesoamerican style it's uh influenced by the the famous aztec temple of the feathered serpent Perf uh, <laughs> forgive my pronunciation of the name but i uh quetzalcoatl i think is the name uh, of the... That's very good, Matt. Is, is that how you say it? <laughs> Quetzalcoatl. Quetzalcoatl. Yeah. Quetzalcoatl. Okay. Quetzalcoatl. Um, so, you know, the feathered serpent, I, I think he was like the god of knowledge and the god of the wind or something like that. He's one of the more revered deities of that area. It is in modern... The, you can actually go see the Step Pyramid. It's in modern day or near modern day Mexico City. Uh, if you want to see the real one that it's inspired by, I will say... Uh, don't climb the steps of the step pyramid in Epcot. We have seen that happen before. You will get in trouble. They are not actual stairs, and it's not like the room is up at the top. Uh, just follow the regular staircase to the big door that's clearly marked for you to enter into the pyramid. Uh, but it's beautiful. Like Chris said at the beginning, it is a very eye-catching building. Uh, like Sue mentioned, it's. I think it's even more beautiful at nighttime. I think all of the buildings are more beautiful at nighttime. The way they light them up, they do a very, very good job with that. Most of my pictures are of the nighttime. building at nighttime. Right. It's just the way the lighting is, it just really magnifies it. As a history teacher, as somebody who likes that, I love seeing all of the intricacies in the architecture and trying to bring that forward. But one of the other things that I think Disney just in general does very, very well, and you see it in this pavilion, is how they work with landscaping. Because the Mexico Pavilion actually is portraying Mexico, which has a very, very diverse landscape. It's not like it's a very large country. It doesn't all look the same. They are really showing two different versions or two different environments that you would find in Mexico. If you look around the pyramid itself, it is more in line with like the the jungle vegetation that you might see in areas like Veracruz, where they have like the big palm ferns and they have orchids and they have all this this vegetation. And then when you turn around and you go back towards like the cantina in La Hacienda, that's more of like the the desert locations that you you might find in in Mexico and Disney did a really cool job with the landscaping around this entire pavilion I think and it's one of the things that kind of really immerses you in the experience of of being there so when you guys are looking at the exterior of this pavilion like do do you think they do a good job of immersing you in it like do you feel like you're in mexico or do you feel like you are 
in Epcot looking at a thing representing Mexico. We've never personally been to Mexico. I don't know if either of you have. I have. Or, well, you, you went well, how long ago? And you went to one spot. Yeah, I went to Cabo San Lucas. I've been to Mexico. And I mean, I think they do a very good job of the, the vegetation and all of that. Um, as far as giving you that lush kind of tropical feel, you know, it's kind of hard. I mean, when you get in it and you get immersed in it with the music playing and all that, it's a little bit better. But I mean, I'm not going to say I don't remember that I'm in World Showcase. <laughs> to present what Mexico has to offer and to let you see the things that it represents, I think they do an excellent job. I mean, it's certainly, I think a lot of times people walk around the world showcase and don't go into the countries. They just walk right through them. And if it's not outside, they're not really going to go experience it. And it's mistake you can make. Yeah. And Mexico has a little bit more of a draw to bring you inside because of the ride. And I wish that more people would go into the countries and read the plaques and look at all of that. But I think they do an excellent job in Mexico. I, I think it's one of the, the better countries. Um, and it has a lot to offer when you go inside. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, one of the things about Mexico, uh, the real country, is kind of like the United States, is that it's huge. And it's just got such varied geography. My experience in Mexico is with Ciudad Juarez, which is half an hour from where I went to college. And that's, you know, the when you think of the stereotypical Mexico in pop culture, you think of washed out desert, you know, barren tumbleweeds and all that. And that's my experience with Mexico. I've never been down south at, uh, you know, Mexico City or Oaxaca or any of the other coastal areas. So I can tell you that the pavilion does give you that very jungle, exciting, lush, vibrant vibe that is so different than what we have in the northern part of northern part of Mexico, southern part of the United States. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, I, I do like that both of you are saying it's representative of different areas of Mexico. And I think that's what they are trying to do, because like you said, Chris, it's so big, you can't do everything. So they're trying to combine it all as much as they can. So let's continue our exploration of the pavilion. We're going to walk up the appropriate steps of the step pyramid to enter into one of the, they have two entrances on either side. Uh, there's like a much longer wheelchair ramp accessible uh, spot on the right, or you could take the stairs right up the front and enter in through the, uh, you know, one of the main entrances there. And you're going to walk into what I call like a lobby. Uh, it seems like it's one of the only pavilions that has like a lobby before you get into the actual pavilion, which I thought was interesting. It's also, I think, is it the only pavilion where you walk up, right? You have to walk up like stairs to get into the building. No, Japan has a set of stairs to go. I mean, they I also, the they also have like a, like a floor level in Japan, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you're, you're right. I guess it is the only one where you have to walk up. To get into oh, I mean, the they do have the ramp on the side if you don't want to walk up, that you can right. walk up the side. Right, but you still have to go up, like you're going up another level. And that's because of the ride, isn't it? Probably, because the ride probably yeah. goes down. Well, I know the show the building is more behind it as well. Yeah. 
But I actually really like that. We're going to get to why, you know, what I like about that when we go to the next level. But let's talk about the lobby for a little bit, because there is like a pretty big room. And it's another spot for if you're a history geek or if you like Coco um, or you just like Mexican culture or Mexican history, where you get to see some of that pretty cool stuff, right? They have like a really cool exhibit there as you walk in. It, it did change. I think Coco came in a few years ago before that it was uh, it was not coco based but now it it is you're gonna see it's like a mexican style portico you walk through this is where you're gonna see like the mexican folk art gallery they have more artwork they have a lot of different stuff with coco as well they have uh the current exhibit is called remember me uh la celebracion de del dia de muertos am i saying that right chris you could say it for me if you gotta say it right uh, la celebración de las días de la muertas. There we go. <laughs> right. So uh, now I, that's Day of the Dead, correct? Correct. Celebration of the Day of the Dead, right? So if you've seen okay, Coco, I'll give that to Chris. He did that. <laughs> <laughs> so that is uh, what Coco is all about, right? It's the celebration of the Day of the Dead, and it's a colorful exhibit. And they, uh, you walk in, they have those two cool, the really tall the bride and groom, figures, the bride and the groom. Bride and with the sugar skull masks and stuff, which is really, really neat. So what do you guys think about like having one, that type of exhibit being the first thing you really experience when you're in the pavilion? And what do you think about Coco being brought in? I absolutely love it. Um, I know the inclusion of characters in Epcot is controversial to say the least. But I really love the way that Miguel and the other characters from Coco are brought in and integrated into the pavilion. It really feels like they went out of their way to make sure that they became part of the story instead of just being slapped on. What about you, Sue? Do you what do you feel about I, that I, opening I think exhibit? They did it, I think they did it very tastefully. Um, you know, it, it it it's not overwhelming. Um, they're still uh, paying homage, I guess, or, or showing you the the folklore and the art of the country. But they do have that, that thing that ties them to Disney. And that's what the kids look at, you know? I mean, that's what catches there. And then they start putting two and two together. And it's like, oh, that's this is where Coco lives. And, you know, it's their connection. And... You know, in that front room also, and we haven't mentioned it, I'm sure we will, is one thing that they offer in Epcot to play to that family is the kid cots. Um, and that's Love where the kid cots in there for kid cot. And, um, you know, that's an activity that's in every country that the kids can go in and do. And I believe there they, they color a, a mask. I don't want to call it a death mask. That sounds terrible. <laughs> but, but they color a mask and they'll have the markers or Crayolas there for the kids to use. And, you know, it was a big fan, a big favorite of my kids when they were young. And I'm, I'm sure Lincoln and Landry probably enjoy it as well. Lincoln loves it. Um, he's definitely a fan of Coco. I think because it's not a princess. I think that's one of me personally, I think that's one of the things that Disney needs to expand on just a little bit more is the non princess world for for the boys, for maybe the Tom, Tom girls, you know, like the the kids that are not into princesses. So I love that Mexico offers a non princess movie. 
So one of the things that I thought was cool, you know, bringing up it being a connection for kids and people like Lincoln and trying to make it more interesting. Again, the history teacher nerded me. I I understand. Always. I understand kids find history to be boring sometimes. So anything that we can use to get kids interested in this type of thing and introducing them to the culture is really a good thing. Um, and I don't know if it's still there, but I know at one point they had they did have this interactive activity for anybody to do, but you know, kids could do it, but anybody could do it. Uh, the Mira de los Muertos, where you would kind of, it was like a mirror, you would go in front of it and then it would magically turn you into like a, a skeleton-like creature like you would see from, from Coco. It, it turned you into one of those sugar skull looking type of characters. I don't know if it's still there because honestly, I think we did it when it first came in, but I don't know if we've done it the last like one or two times we've been to Epcot. But another one of those very interactive, cool things that you don't really get to experience in other pavilions. I think it's still there, but I think it's one of those things that, you know, we've done it so we don't have to, the repeatability for it is really not there. Um, Maybe as Lincoln becomes more engaged in that type of stuff because we're slowly getting to that world with him we'll be able to repeat that again but for you and i that's not something that we are going to go out of our way to spend time doing and there's typically a lot of people crowded in that area because i think that's where sometimes the kid cot is up there but sometimes it's downstairs so chris you've got younger ones have you brought them to the epcot pavilion have they seen the coco exhibit like so yes we actually took our kids um, back in October when we were there. And I can confirm the mirrors are still there. Uh, unfortunately, I could not get it to work for me, and my daughter was not interested in it at the time. But they're still there. But yeah, <laughs> they are still there. And uh, yeah, like I said, they're, they're real cool. They're, I liken it to, I don't know if you've played the Lego video games, but it's like the creative character. You, you know, you go up, you get your skin taken, and then you can choose the different skulls and hats and, and different outfits. So there's a little bit of that repeatability, Crystal, but at the same time, like, w- once you've done it, you, you've you done it. And the novelty kind of does wear off a li- after a little bit, I would say. That's a living version of myself. <laughs> I don't want to picture myself as a skeleton yet. I have to say the first time I think we introduced it to Lincoln, it did freak him out a little bit. He's very cautious he i refer to him as my allergic to water kid so he um i don't i think he's more scared of seeing himself like that so he wants to stay in his living version like sue (laughs) as we make our way through this lobby i I don't really know what else to call it (laughs) you know the the entrance area uh this is where you're gonna uh, then go through a set of doors to the the main interior of the building called Plaza de los Amigos, uh, and it's the the marketplace. It's where the restaurants are located. It's where the attraction is located. This is also why I really really like the fact that you do walk up that set of stairs to go higher because when you enter into the plaza, you are above everything, and you get to like look out over everything the pavilion has to offer inside it really does give you like a bird's eye view of this marketplace that is hustling and bustling it really does kind of make you feel like you are in an ex- like an outside uh mexico it's it's at twilight which is really cool so if you look up it's like a nighttime sky with stars in the background there's the the grand mayan pyramid and there's a smoking volcano 
and it just looks so cool looking down and getting to see everything because i feel like in some of the other pavilions most of the other pavilions it's just a store that you're kind of walking into right most of them are just stores and they're really cool don't get me wrong i love walking into italy and i love walking into japan but it's just like okay this is a store the Mexico Pavilion does not feel like a store to me when you walk in. It gives you more of the market feel, which is very popular in Mexico. Right. Yeah, I think that's what it's modeled after is to be a, a marketplace with all the different. I mean, and think about it. It's almost like that. You come down, they have the beautiful fountain and you, you come down the sides and it's almost like the little marketplace with all the different vendors yep. in the center. Um, and then you have the restaurant and the, the La Cava de Tequila, and then you have Arribas Brothers, you know, right. to your left. And, and it, it definitely gives you that square feeling of this is the marketplace with the stores and restaurants that surround it. it, it to me, it's probably one of the best done in the inside of mm. any of the pavilions. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the only thing that's really missing is a church, and then it would truly be a Mexican plaza. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, Disney's probably keeping out for specific reasons, but it is. Yeah, I can't, that can't imagine fit. that one. <laughs> yeah. But it would, like, you know, it would fit very, very well culturally for representing Mexico to have a, a church there. But yeah, I mean, like Sue said, you're overlooking all these little individual carts that are all selling a variety of things, right? You're going to see the brightly colored sugar skulls. You're going to see leather working. You're going to see the sombreros and the, the, like the ponchos and blankets and tons of different things that you can purchase. They have different food from Mexico that you could try, the little snacks and stuff that you could purchase. So it's really, really cool that it kind of gives you the freedom to just move around and be in the environment rather than saying, okay, I'm going to go from this store to this store to this store. It just makes it feel much more, more open. So I love the marketplace. So you do, you get to go down the stairs, right? They have stairs on either side. Again, you're faced with the left or right choice. Do you go to the right and be closer to Cava? I guess if you're going to uh, La Cava, you're going to go right. If you want to go over to the attraction, you're going to go down to the left but you're faced with another left or right choice to make while you're there. There are two stores um, that are kind of separated, right, from the marketplace off to the left-hand side. Uh, again, I'm not gonna be able to say them, but La Tienda and Cantata. Uh, that's where you get like accessories and fine jewelry. And then it says La Princesa de Cristal, which I'm assuming is the uh, Rebus Brothers, where you can have like the crystal and the glassware done that they have by, yeah, by the Arribas Brothers uh, in the plaza. So those are a little bit different because they are separated from the rest of the market. Yeah, yeah Matt, it's... I was going to let you finish, uh, but your Italian is showing through. It's Princesa, <laughs> not Princesa. <laughs> that is the Italian. I can do the Italian stuff. I can't do the Spanish stuff. I, I can't say I've either been in either of those stores, but you're right. They, they kind of form that horseshoe of the interior of that pavilion you've got them you know on the outside right. as opposed to all the all the stalls and marketplace <laughs> so i don't and think that is important is mexico although a lot of people get thrown off by the steps that come up the front mexico is a, a pavilion that's accessible to people who are in wheelchairs or need other mobility 
because they do have the ramp, if you're looking at it on the right side, that does bring you in a back door. And in the inside, um, the two ramps that go down into the marketplace, they're actually not stairs, but they're actually yeah, ramps. ramps. So it, it might be a little tight if you're trying to get a scooter in there. I, I don't know that, I'm, I mean, cause it's, it's pretty tight or quick turns when you get into the marketplace. The marketplace. Yeah. Not, why, not necessarily the upper place where the folklore right. and all that is, that's pretty wide open. I always notice a lot of scooters parked outside by that ramp when they walk in or in that like that lobby area when, when you almost when you first come in, uh, they will park a lot of the scooters. I, don't I think it's a trans. I think if you are able to walk without a scooter, um, they prefer. I know that strollers are not typically permitted yeah, yeah. inside, so you have to park them outside. Um, because of like sue said it is a very tight pavilion there's fragile things as you turn there's like you know the the glass in the rebras and there's um which i don't think we've ever gone into that store to the Arebras brothers store. i feel like we're like okay it's a Arebras brothers like we've been in a Arebras brothers story but, but you never go in there and watch the, the glass get blown? So, like, we've watched we that on We do that Disney. at Magic Kingdom. Like, and I feel like we don't need to do that here because we're going to do that at Magic. We have got in the other one, Lincoln, because in the other one, they have little hand-carved wood animals that are brightly painted, like turtle. Lincoln like, loves watching them paint and carve and those. And always makes us buy one. We have to buy, he's got, like, tons of these little, I think there's a rhino over there. Yeah. Just, he has to have these little animals that that they're carving it. So he, he does love going into that store uh, in particular. And he likes looking at the jewelry. He always wants to buy me new jewelry when we go in there. He does. All right, so Sue, Chris, you are our guest. We're going to give you guys that left or right option for the main some of the main attractions in the pavilion. Do you want to go to the right and hit La Cava del Tequila? Or do you want to go and hop on the attraction, the Grand Fiesta Tour with the Three Caballeros? I'm going to go ride the ride, and then I'm going to go have my drink. I'm a go-left kind of guy always. <laughs> All right. So we are going to head left, and we're going to go get in line for the Grand Fiesta Tour with the Three Caballeros, uh, which we absolutely love going on that ride. Absolutely. Like a, a lot of people overlook it, but we love it. It's a nice, easy one. It doesn't have, typically doesn't have a long line. So if you want to get out of that Florida sun, especially in the summertime, it's typically a good place to go. If Grand Fiesta Tour has a long line, because we have seen it at times where it stretches out into the marketplace, you know Epcot's busy that day. But, but it's normally a quick, it's, it's still, still not a very long line. But if you don't just walk in, you know it's a busy day in Epcot because it is an overlooked attraction. Most of the time people, like Sue said, most of the time people don't even walk into the pavilion. They just keep walking past it. If they do go in, they might be going to the ride, but even then the line's usually not super long. But if it's there, it's busy. Like right now, it's probably busy. It's probably a busy line, a busy day in Epcot, right, Sue? It being President's Day week. Uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be typically a little bit busier than normal. Um, so I, yeah, it's, it's probably, I'll have to look and see what they they have the crowd estimates at but yeah this is typically a little bit busier weekend with the long weekends and people having off work monday a lot of the the northerners will, will get out of the cold for a long weekend so yeah 
And it's princess. It's the princess marathon this weekend, right? As we're recording this on Saturday. It is, and, and, you know, it, there's a couple, there's a couple of perfect storms that can happen yeah. um, during the the weeks down there. You could either have President's Weekend line up with Mardi Gras, which it did not do this year, um, or you can have President's Weekend line up with the Princess Races. Um, either of those definitely contribute to a much more crowded park, particularly Epcot. Mm. Uh, because it brings in with the races the adult crowd um, who of course like to go enjoy the the world showcase (laughs) the only good thing is there's no festival this weekend so I was just going to point that out (laughs) I was just going to point that out that there is not a festival I wonder if they purposely planned that and I'm looking at the wait time so again this is Saturday and it's about lunchtime. <laughs> I'm uh, always looking at wait times, even though I'm not there. And um, Frozen is 80 minutes, and our Three Caballeros ride is only five minutes. There you go. That's what I love to see. That walk on, that walk on number. Five is usually walk on number. You just go and you have to get through the queue, and then you you hop right on the boat and you're ready to go. So, Chris, tell us about Three Caballeros. Well, Ohana, that's it for today's episode and part one of our exploration of Epcot's Mexico Pavilion. We want to thank our guests, Sue and Chris, for joining us today. And we also want to thank all of you for tuning in. Be sure to hit that follow button to catch part two next week and to stay up to date on our latest episodes as they come out. We also want to invite you to be a part of the podcast and share your Disney story. Feel free to reach out to us either through our website, MarriedToADisneyAttic.com, or over on our social pages on Facebook and Instagram by searching at MarriedToADisneyAttic to become part of our Ohana. Thanks again for joining us this week, and as always, see you real soon.